and you know I'm a big, huge advocate of getting young people involved in the democratic process. Um, they have every right um, to, yeah. to say and to engage and tell politicians what they want and use their vote to do so. Welcome back to the Include Youth Podcast with me, your host, Niall Cook, uh, my co-host, uh, Oma Senior Youth Worker, Roland Boyle. Thank you. And we are joined today by Cara Hunter. Cara Hunter is MLA for East Derry. Cara is the youngest MLA in Northern Ireland uh, Assembly at the age of 25. And today we've kind of taken a bit of a sidestep from our usual format. Um, the Include Youth podcast is usually dealing with stories from our care experienced young people and getting their story out there for other people going through similar issues. Um, but the, the, today we've decided to speak to someone who is an advocate for young people and particularly in the area of mental health. Cara is now the SDLP health spokesp- spokesperson and sits on the health committee for Stormont. Um, Cara set up the dual diagnosis APG to create more accessible support and improved harm reduction models for those struggling with addiction and mental uh, illness. She has a keen interest in climate change, student concerns, uh, improving and enhancing diversity and elective representatives, and creating affordable, sustainable childcare in Northern Ireland. These are currently a lot of the issues facing our uh, young people at Include Youth, and that's why we're here today. So, Cara, very welcome to the podcast today. Hello, good afternoon. So, we just want to start by maybe just getting a wee bit of background on you and how you ended up as the youngest MLA. So, it's quite an interesting story. So, I had never kind of foreseen um, myself really ever getting into politics. Um, despite my family would be quite political, I took a bit of a back seat, never really right. identi- identified with it. It's kind of disillusioned by the whole thing. Um, and sometimes it felt like disappointment after disappointment. But essentially, it, it starts off as quite a sad um, story. The reason I got into politics was I had actually lost my best friend to suicide. Right. Um, he had taken his life uh, in 2017. And uh, it, I absolutely, I was devastated by the whole thing. Um, and I I had made a documentary at university about transgenerational trauma. So looking at how the troubles has impacted young people today, even though we didn't live right, through them. And um, while making the documentary, uh, was non- there was no budget behind it. It was more like a student project. I had uh, deep dived into um, Professor Siobhan O'Neill, the Northern Irish mental health champion. Yes, very wherever. Uh, her research around suicide prevention. And um, it just started a fire in me that just hasn't gone out. Um, just looking at the importance of suicide prevention, um, you know, mechanisms and the importance of teaching young people about their well-being um, and just where the lack is in Northern Ireland, that passion behind making sure young people are empowered to take care of their, their own well-being, their mental health um, and just to, to empower them and support them. Very good. And what was the difference between being a youth accents counsellor and the assembly? Um, so there, there's quite a, a difference, I have to say. Um, so I sat in Darien Strabane District Council for just over a year. Um, I was deputy mayor and uh, it was fantastic because at a local level, uh, local politics is very people focused um, and you meet people on a daily basis. Um and uh, it's a lot of work, but I would say in the assembly, it's more broad. So you're looking yes. at broader health issues, um, the wider societal impact on a Northern Ireland uh, as a whole basis. Um, but both jobs are incredibly busy. But I think what I what I like so much about being an MLA is when sitting on the health committee, you get to scrutinize, um, you know, where the money is going. Um, you get to identify where the gaps are. For example, a huge thing to do with young people I'm really, really passionate about is, um, you know, getting access to child and adult uh, adolescent mental health services is really difficult and it's a gap if you turn 18 
and you're on the waiting list to see adult mental health services, you could be waiting potentially up to 18, 19 months yeah. to see a counsellor and um, that's not good enough. No, very, very true. Um, so you have more power then as an MLA, more access to actually doing stuff and making having questions and... Uh, yep, absolutely. So uh, in the assembly, we basically have a thing called uh, ministerial questions. Uh, so essentially, you can put forward to each minister. So at the minute, uh, I'm very passionate about trying to secure funding um, for sports clubs, GAA yep, clubs, that. football clubs. Um, so what I can do is you can either submit written questions or post questions in the chamber. Um, you know, uh, what funding is available in the past five years, how much funding has gone towards mental health. And it, we talked about previously, um, sport is a really great way to bring people together yeah, it's a it good is. way to engage with young people uh, and for um you know young people like we've talked about um who aren't particularly academic it provides a safe space for them to open up and mm -hmm. to engage and become more healthy and mental health is such a key part of that mm -hmm. um and so for me it would be a priority to try and see how we can fuse mental health and well-being with sport yeah and it's quite relevant our last podcast was a young person suffering from anxiety and depression and one of her big get outs was sport but mm -hmm. she, she was suffering so much that even something that she liked she couldn't get involved in and that's where she suffered mm -hmm. and now that she's back on track and sports come again and so like if you're going to integrate in mental health and this sport then it sounds like it sounds like a good plan yeah she was able to explain the connection between mental and physical health and you know you probably get more out of it mentally uh-huh from doing the physicality definitely and there's communities as well and i think with gyms reopening throughout covid this is something i had campaigned for um, yes thank because, you very much oh my goodness i i miss them so i love I to see weightlifting oh i yeah. just i seen at the squat rack i was just delighted a few weeks back that's there. when i, I seen you campaigning in the assembly i was like that's we're definitely there speaking to her she's trying to get the gyms there open. might have been a conflict of interest yeah. there because i wanted them open myself but um no i, I think it's important it you know gyms have community and when you show up um your friends are there and you become it's such a close relationship yeah. with business with the gym owners yeah. um and i really really missed it myself so i can't imagine for other young people how um how much they missed it and how crucial it is to their well-being yeah and now they're open and everybody's buzzing so mm -hmm. it was obviously it was obviously a massive gap i was even saying i was going to say even with the virus it's probably good to have a healthy body mm -hmm. yeah absolutely you know, you know they talk about that so get absolutely. them open uh, just before we go on who were your influences as a young person growing up and and for your work you're currently doing um i would have to say my mom um so my mom is the kind of key doer of all things and yep. i uh she kind of raised me um for the majority of time on her own whilst also working a full-time job in belfast and um, my mom worked uh for the royal college of nursing and um, she's a nurse uh, by nature and by by profession you know she's a very yeah. caring woman i'm incredibly lucky um but seeing her kind of do the full-time job in belfast and yet somehow she was always there to pick me up at school with an ice cream i just admire great admiration from my yeah. mother um and uh she'd always kind of encouraged me and tried to empower me to say you know nothing's out of the realm of possibility and um, which sounds terribly cheesy um but uh, she just really um i don't know you could just there, there's no limit to what you're capable of and it, despite when i first got into politics a lot of people were like naysayers and just like what are you what are you at like why would you bother with that but my mom was like you know if you truly believe in this uh, and it's only with good intention 
uh, don't listen to anybody. And it was just really, it was, she's just fantastic. But them's Paul, the kind of Paul, things stand out. I was just thinking politicians are usually middle class men with suits on. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're, you definitely went against the book there. See, you seem to have a real passion for uh, making sure the voice of young people is heard. Where, where did that come from, Kat? Well, I think, um, you know, I've touched on the political processes here in the North. I mean, uh, young people are just disillusioned that they don't want to get involved, and I don't blame them. Yeah. Um, I mean, I looked at, at Stormont for years, and it wasn't until my best friend had passed, I thought to myself, we can do a hell of a lot better than this. Um, and I thought for the longest time, like, I can't stand outside Stormont and look up at it and be like, they need to fix things. Uh -huh. I need to get in there yes, yeah. and do my best. And no one is saying it's an easy job because it's absolutely not. And you're open to a lot of criticisms online. Sure. And even people can walk into your office unannounced. You just don't know. Yeah. Um, but but it's worth it in the long term because, uh, you know, uh, my goodness, um, you know, it, it's a privilege of a lifetime to kind of serve your community and just genuinely try to help. Because like I was saying, we would get a lot of calls um, to the office, to my mobile at one, two o'clock in the morning with people with mental health issues wanting to be seen. And there's all these barriers. Uh, and I feel it's a moral duty, I suppose, to do anything I can in any way to try and try and fix that. Yeah. Uh, just run your work with uh, Ministry of Youth and uh, Northern Ireland students. Um, we recently submitted a response to the experts panel on uh, educational underachievement. Uh, we was appointed by uh, Education Minister Peter Weir. Do you think the education system brings out the best in young people or is there issues there? Mainstream doesn't suit a lot of our young people um, and we're trying to suggest ways it could be changed. So that was our response because there's a lot of mental health issues. Um, teachers are probably not trained enough. They're suggesting things like in-house counsellors, um, maybe maybe wider, getting the, the bigger family support network involved. Um, just kind of want to get your some thoughts around that. No, I'm in full agreement. I think, you know, the education system that we currently have doesn't fit um, everybody. And, you know, if we look at the, the age groups of, you know, five to 18 um, that are in our classrooms, very impressionable uh, young people. And it's really crucial um, that there's different pathways for different people. Uh, and not everybody is coming from a safe uh, and loving home. So it's really uh -huh. important that the wraparound support yes. is there um, yeah. and that teachers like training, I think, is absolutely crucial. Um, you know, uh, if there's you know anything going on in the home, but also, um, you know, if mental illness is spotted young in children uh, or, um, you know, behavioral issues or, you know, perhaps autism diagnosis, if that's um, identified young, um, they have that wraparound support at a younger age, which yeah. is crucial. And we had talked about, you know, the academic the rigorous uh, academic academic pathway is not for everyone and there's a stigma surrounding oh if you don't go to university um you know uh, you know you're, the, a uh, you're a total failure yeah. and it's untrue uh -huh. it's just untrue that's brilliant mm -hmm. brilliant what is your position on votes at 16 um you can do most things at 16 so this is an interesting one because if you think about it you pay tax at 16 yes yeah. so you're contributing to uh, the government's taking your money Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I'm a big, a huge advocate of getting young people involved in the democratic process. Um, they have every right um, to, yeah. to say and to engage and tell politicians what they want and use their vote to do so. And I think it's unfair that we're taxing 16-year-olds. Um, I think 16-year-olds can, can join the army. I'm not too sure. Yeah. I know they can in the States. Um, can, yeah. So you can technically go to war, but you can't vote. It, it's yeah. insanity. It's lunacy. So. Like, um, so uh, my, my stance and my party stance is we believe fundamentally young people should be very uh, involved in the democratic process. And if there was to be uh, a vote on it, uh, yeah, I, I would lower to 16. And actually what we're finding 
trending now is young people are so uh, getting progressively more politically engaged. I mean, you've seen um, the climate change rallies, protests, um, and you've seen things like, you know, uh, same-sex marriage and the passion behind Pride. And uh, I think it's fantastic. And with the birth of social media, um, now more than ever, young people feel inspired and they, they, they do want to get involved. And I hope in some way being in politics helps kind of show them that you, you can get on board. Oh, you 100%. Can be well, I would agree a lot with what you're saying there because we, I run a program called the Learning for Action program where I kind of take young people who have been through the program and they advocate for other young people that are just starting on the program. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of 16 to 18 year olds that have a lot to say. You know what I mean? So they're trying to get involved and influence policy within their own community and help out. And it seems like the right thing that they should be voting it. They should be allowed to vote at that age as well. Absolutely. And like recently, for example, like with students and the COVID-19 pandemic and they felt overlooked and the campaign that they set up both in secondary schools and in university was incredible. Like the amount of lobbying, um, you know, petitions, surveys. Um, and they could come to us with cold hard facts and I just thought it was incredible the movement um, that they had um, and I know secondary school students it was a very difficult you know 18 16 months I've lost track of time but it feels like yeah. COVID's gone on forever but seeing like they're having to do exams and then Zoom and Zoom doesn't work for everybody and then mm-hmm. seeing like Straban for example and how bad how abysmal the Wi-Fi is so a child <laughs> in Straban might have less opportunities um, and access to Wi-Fi than a child devices even as well they use do you know what I mean absolutely and there's a socio-economic divide and yeah. it's not fair it's not fair so uh, and young people highlighted that um, uh, we already knew it wasn't fair, but they put it together that their argument and were passionate and wouldn't let it go. And it resulted in um, us lobbying uh, Diane Dodds to ensure students here got £500 um, in support during COVID. So um, it just goes Excellent. to show you're never too young to, to get involved. No, because um, we were, we run a, a project around the PSNI. They came to us looking for opinions on the Spitguard um, that they were rolling out. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our 16-year-olds fed into that. And, you know, that's that's something that will be affecting policy within Northern Ireland and other young people. But them also, young people also can't vote. I yeah. know. And we do have a policy team of Finland Include Youth and our young people inform that team. Mm-hmm. So they go on this tournament then. We've actually been up a few times. Oh, you, good. you could probably host our next one. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It would be my pleasure. Once, this, once the restrictions lift. Uh-huh. And it was great because we got most MLAs, some didn't, or most, uh, parties in their one room and young people fired questions on them yeah. and they came fast and furious <laughs> yeah. the and I'll tell it you was brilliant. they they actually asked the hardest questions yeah. because um, I find it interesting like we would do a Zooms with young people I mean from primary school up yeah. and they're not afraid to fire them out no. and I really love and admire that because it's, it's shameless I love it they, yeah. they just throw it out and I often think you know if 16 year olds could vote how different would our assembly makeup look I think it would be more progressive and, and parties yeah. who tend to be more liberal would 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 increase part of our policy as well our team as well we're looking under the minimum age of criminal responsibility and at the minute it's sitting in northern ireland as a 10 years old and um, this is despite the youth justice review team's assertion that it should be raised to 12 mm-hmm. with a view to considering raising it to 14 at a later stage what's your thoughts on that well, I think it's a really interesting topic. Um, and I think that children age and mature at different rates. Yeah. So I, I do think 10 is uh, significantly younger um, mm-hmm. than it should be. Um, yeah. I would be pushing for 14, but it, it is something I know the party's looking at. But I mean, it, it's really important when we talk about developmental delays uh, and things like that, that um, every child is unique and different. And so uh, it needs to, needs to be looked at 10. Like, I can't even recall what I was like. <laughs> no, so, exactly. Yeah, I know why. Um, 
Yeah. And you do silly things when you're young, so I do think it needs yeah. to be looked at. Definitely. Okay, just before we go, uh, we recently met with Siobhan O'Neill and we welcome her appointment as Northern Ireland Mental Health Chapman. Um, what's your vision for the mental health of young people in Northern Ireland, uh, especially in light of COVID and the enhanced effect uh, it's having on the youth of today? Well, I think um, fundamentally, I think mental health needs to be part of the way uh, it, mental health needs to be part of how we uh, restructure our society. It needs to be in our education system. I think from a very young age, um, looking at how we can instill in young people the essential skills um, to handle their own emotional well-being, their mental health, to talk openly and frank about how they're feeling. I, I think, like you said, in-house counselling in schools. And I need to think we are need to arm our, our teachers with the, the appropriate training. Um, but my vision for mental health in Northern Ireland as a whole is we need to remember we are still, uh, you know, we're coming out the other side of a conflict. Yes. Um, so it's really important um, that we, we recognize that and that our health system is fit for purpose. Yeah. Um, because what we see right now, I mean, it's very timely. The discussion on waiting lists is, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people uh, and it's not fit for purpose. Our health service is a point of crisis. And the thing about when you're feeling suicidal, when you're feeling mentally ill, um, you're you, you need access to a service. And what yes. we're seeing now is six months waiting lists, eight months waiting lists. So my vision is um, counselling mental health support at point of need, um, empowering our young people. So we have a new generation of young people talking openly and honestly about mental health with the skills to, to combat um, negative feelings, the ability to talk openly and that they have the vocabulary to talk about it, that it's taught in schools. Um, ideally, what I would like to see is a class devoted to mental health in the same way we yes. have maths and English. That is honestly, like politically as well, but you know, before I hang my hat up, how many years from now or months from now, that's uh, something I would love to see. Like my vision is I don't want my children uh, to grow up in the same Northern Ireland with the approach to mental health that it has right now. I want it to be fit for purpose and free at point of need if you need support. Yeah, because we recently um, we submitted a response to to the 10-year strategy and we had consultations with young people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what the young people said was early training, early yes. years training on mental health. Um, I think some more young people saying they were in hospital suffering from mental health mm -hmm. from a very early age mm -hmm. but didn't understand what was going on. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think they actually, that when we talk about vocabulary, they didn't have the, the language. Yeah. They weren't armed with the knowledge or the language to express how they feel. Like, you'll often hear a child say, oh, I have a sore tummy. But realistically, they're anxious, they're nervous, yes. they're scared. Um, and another thing I, I think it's really important moving forward is, uh, you're both from the Northwest, is how we view people with addiction. Yes. Um, and the Northwest has been promised in the new decade, new approach, you know, um, a, a well-funded addiction servant, uh, service, a center of excellence in the Northwest. And a huge part of, of moving forward is people drink oftentimes to deal um, with traumatic life events. And like I said, we're coming out of the conflict. Um, it's a huge issue specifically in the Northwest and within my, my role as chair of the all-party group on dual diagnosis. Um, oftentimes what you do see is regardless of age, young people, old people, they can't cope with uh, the anxiety, with the depression, they turn to drink. And that's where you get the dual diagnosis, the mental illness and the addiction. So I think we as a society need to reimagine um, how we view people with addictions and regenerate our health service to support them. Brilliant, Thank you. Thank you very much. I think that's us. That yep. was, um, we've gone through all our questions. We've covered all the areas. Uh, I really hope um, a lot of our young people get to hear this because mm -hmm. I think a lot, you send a lot of the right things there. And it's really, uh, I think, really relevant for the young people that we deal with, at least. 
Yeah. And I look forward to you hosting us and storming. Absolutely. <laughs> Lunch is on me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very Good much. Thanks again, Kara. Thank, uh, thank you very much. Bye. Bye.